0: Strengthen your spouse's character. Six, make a commitment to a community of faith. Seven, get rid of the lust in your life. Eight, swing into a slow motion style. Nine, prepare for the pits instead of the peaks. Ten, learn to master new marital tricks. Eleven fight for some solitude. Twelve, learn to let go. Now, I should mention right at the outset a couple of basic principles that underlie these commandments. First of all, I'm hard-nosed about the need to follow them. I'm convinced that if you break one of them, you break them all. You have to be making solid progress in all twelve of these areas if you hope to be a successful, satisfied husband or wife. Secondly, even though I may speak individually of the husband and the wife, I think it's essential to recognize that when a man and woman get married, they really do become one. The book of Genesis says, A man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Jesus later affirms this principle when He says of a married couple, The two become one. I take those words at their face value. I've become convinced in my experience with a variety of couples that the only way a marriage will really work is for the man and woman to merge, almost in a a mystical sense. I realize, of course, that such a statement may not sit too well at first with those who are concerned about maintaining the rights and autonomy of the individual, but quite frankly, if you want your marriage to work, you have to quit focusing on your rights and concentrate instead on the unity of the relationship. To put this idea in more concrete, practical terms, it's necessary to understand that when your wife hurts, so do you. When your husband has certain needs, those needs are yours as well. When you make a good impression on others, so does your spouse. When you grow emotionally or spiritually, your mate grows as well. So obeying all the twelve commandments and affirming a revolutionary kind of unity in your marriage are two underlying universal principles that undergird a successful marriage. And as an ongoing test of the viability of your marriage, you may find it helpful to ask yourself these key questions. Tough marriage test number one. Is my first response to stand firm or to run when things get rough? To put it bluntly, if you hold out the possibility of walking out on your mate or getting a divorce if things don't work out, you're not sufficiently committed. You're not tough enough. The word commitment is tossed around too lightly these days, and that's one of the reasons I frequently avoid it. I like obligation better because it suggests something much more serious and onerous, and that's what we need a strong dose of A heavyweight stand-and-fight attitude, an absolutely binding sense of responsibility. If you think it's possible your marriage will fail, then it definitely will fail. No doubt about it. There are too many disruptive pressures on marriages these days to permit any tentative commitments to survive. Tough marriage test number two. Do I think in terms of we rather than I? Individualism is held up as a great virtue in our society, but the same I orientation that can build great businesses or produce great works of art will inevitably sound the death knell of a marriage. As we've already seen, marriage is essentially a unified relationship in which two people must, in a very real sense, become one. But if you focus on I instead of on we, that unity will immediately get into trouble. You see, it's entirely too natural and easy to begin a relationship thinking only of what you can get out of it. Then you start automatically pursuing your interests at every turn instead of the joint interests of you and your mate. I've become convinced that when I hear a person talk about my needs, those are code words for immaturity, selfishness, and low self-esteem. Of course, I'm not saying you shouldn't say right up front to your spouse, What I want out of this relationship is thus and so, and I think you might do such and so.